I'm Alex Schwartz. I'm Nomi Fry. I'm Vincent Cunningham, and this is Critics at Large, a New Yorker podcast for the culturally curious. Each week, we're going to talk about a big idea that's showing up across the cultural landscape, and we'll trace it through all the mediums we love. Books, movies, television, music, art. And I always want to talk about celebrity gossip, too. Of course. We hope you'll join us for new episodes each Thursday. Follow Critics at Large today, wherever you get podcasts. This episode of LiveWire is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, and then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Hello there, and welcome to the Best News Podcast from Livewire, brought to you by Alaska Airlines. This is the show where we talk about the good stuff that's happening in the news. My name is Luke Burbank. Right over there is my friend, Elena Passarello. Hi, Elena. Hello. Welcome to week... 10. 10. Week 10 Double of the digits. Best News Podcast. <laughs> you would think it wouldn't be that hard for me to keep this number straight. And yet somehow, I keep getting it slightly wrong at the top of the show. Here we are. Week Deca. Week Deca. Week Greek deck. numeric prefix. Deca. Okay. I was having an argument with someone the other day about the decathlon, and I was very convinced it was five events, which if you've heard the term decade... Would tell you it's not five. Like it's definitely not five. But I was <laughs> ten just seems like too many events. That's what that was my exact thought. <laughs> I like, think that's kind of remember when you were a kid and you would go to the the convenience store or the gas station and you'd put every kind of soda. Mm-hmm. You'd get like we called it a graveyard mm. where I lived, uh, and it just ended up t- kind of tasting like cola because I think that was the most overriding flavor. Mm-hmm. That's what the decathlon is. You're just going up and you're just taking everything. Shot put, why not? Javelin, sure. Go jump over that. Hurdles, let's go for it. Dog grooming. Dog grooming. Now, that would be the, I, I don't know what 11 is, but I would watch the decathlon if they added an 11th event, which was dog grooming. Mm. <laughs> just like after this person has done all of this incredibly physically like impressive stuff. They also have to try to sculpt the hair of a Bajon Frise. Yeah. They have to do the intricate, like, <laughs> yeah. like whisker work. Exactly. Well, here we are on week 10 of the best news podcast. I'm excited, although a little tired this week, because of course we've now sprung forward. Mm-hmm. I am always very up for springing ahead, but this week, for whatever reason, I am still, I need that hour. I don't know where that hour went. <laughs> It's like, I am running at a one-hour deficit. Silver lining, (laughs) the clock in my car is right again. (laughs) Hey! Somebody wrote on Twitter, I'm not changing the clock on my stove. I think we need to hear both sides on this issue. (laughs) (laughs) Which made me feel less bad that I don't think I changed the clock on my stove all or my microwave all of last year. They were just like kind of doing their own thing. And now they're, like you said, they're back into alignment. 
And then you feel like you've accomplished something when really you've just allowed time to pass, <laughs> which is great. I kind of wish we would spring forward two hours, though. Whoa. I would be into it being late until 10 o'clock if it, if it was possible. Although I guess then you start to get into that like above, you know, sort of certain latitudes where it's like the sun never goes down in the summer. That might be too much. That'd be bad for my circadian rhythms. Also, this morning, the sun didn't come up until after seven because we sprang forward. And that means mm-hmm. that it'd be like in May, you'd be, you know, waiting at the bus stop in the dark at 830 in the morning. <laughs> it really comes down to if you're a morning person or not. If you're a morning person, then you, you'd like it to be light in the morning. If you're me, you are fine with it. It doesn't have to get light until 11 a.m. as far as I'm concerned. (laughs) All right, let's talk about what's good out there in the wider world. Elena, what is the best news that you saw this week? So this news is a few months old because that's the schedule that I'm on right now. (laughs) But it's the first time that I heard it, and it's also about this thing that's ongoing. So I feel like it counts. It's the best news you heard this week. Yeah. It's about teachers. You know, like for me, it's animals and teachers. Those are the two things that (laughs) I want to talk about. And this is an incredibly special teacher named Mrs. Turquoise Lejeune Parker. And Mrs. Parker is a veteran teacher. She's been teaching for 11 years. She's the library arts teacher. So I think she sees... All 400 kindergarten through fifth graders at Lakewood Elementary in uh, the Durham area in North Carolina. And she noticed pretty early on in her career that a lot of the students in her community are food insecure. In fact, in the Durham public school system, 98% of the students are on free or reduced lunch, which means they get a good meal at school, but summers and holiday breaks can be really vulnerable times for kids because the cafeterias obviously close. And this teacher, Mrs. Turquoise Lejeune Parker, just seems like just the coolest lady in the world. She says she wanted to be a teacher ever since she was four years old and she'd go into her, her room and arrange all her stuffed animals and teach them classes. She Aww. tells the student, I know, she tells the students she loves them every day. She calls them Mrs. Parker's professors because she already believes in them. So she promotes them to professor level, even though they're like first graders. I'm just imagining a bunch of first graders in like, tweed blazers or yeah. <laughs> like smoking a pipe. Don't smoke pipes, kids. Yeah, no. It's well, not, it is Durham, so. It's not healthy. <laughs> it's brightly square. <laughs> but no, I'm just kidding. Um, so the reality of it, of it is, you know, when the students go home for breaks, things can be really tricky. And Mrs. Parker saw that need. And in 2015, started raising funds to get food for families over breaks. She raised $500 in 2015. Five years later, in 2020, she raised 55K. Well, 55,000. Yeah. This past December, however, now her enterprise has grown. She has a quote unquote army of volunteers who, I mean, you can tell that this woman's energy is infectious and people would just follow her into hell or into (laughs) Costco who donated. (laughs) Which depending on like if it's the day before Thanksgiving, could be confused. (laughs) Well, Costco helped, I think, with this last push. And then also... Not only the volunteers, not only Costco, donors from all over the country contributed. And for this past holiday break, Mrs. Turquoise Lejeune Parker Hmm. raised $106,000. Whoa. Yes. 
And the photos are amazing. There's this gymnasium full of pallets and pallets and pallets of shelf-stable, easy-to-prepare food like cereal and macaroni and cheese and rice, things you can make no matter what your living situation is and that will stay on the shelf for a while. This huge assembly line of people putting bags and bags and bags together. And I do a little bit of work with the food insecurity group here in my hometown, and they told me that a dollar donation is about a pound of food. That's that's Whoa. what it translates into. So that's a hundred and six thousand pounds. I need I need Mrs. Parker to teach me math, but I think huh. that's something like fifty-three tons of food going right into the bellies mm. of children and families that are served by the Durham Public School District. I just I just love this story so much. That is so awesome. My sister is an educator mm-hmm. um, in Washington State, my sister Hannah. And when the pandemic happened, a big part of what she and her colleagues were doing at this school, she teaches at a public school where she's an administrator there now, was trying to, as much as they could, reach out to their students and help provide some of those things, yep. like food and other stuff that they were getting when they came to school, yeah. and getting that stuff out to them. And it's like, I didn't even think about that as one of the many challenges that teachers were facing. I mean, first of all, they're trying to teach their classes remotely, Mm -hmm. which is a whole new way to try to communicate with kids and learn. And at the same time, many of them were trying to figure out ways to keep helping these students of theirs who they used to get in the classroom and now they've got to go to them. So I'm sure this was especially vital during the pandemic. Yeah. Teachers, I think... We always need to remember, and I think the pandemic really taught us how much they do. And they're very mm-hmm. much community service people, social workers, uh, first responders to child instability. Um, and sometimes they just have a bunch of ramen noodles and Pop-Tarts mm-hmm. in their desk in case a, you know a kid can't pick his head up because he's so sleepy because he didn't have a good breakfast. There's nothing more important than teachers, and I, you know, I think we should support them 20 times more than we do, honestly. There is something, though— that's equally important, maybe, Uh-oh. which is me finding out what your favorite cafeteria lunch was when you were a kid. Oh. What were you excited about when you'd go to school? Did you get the calendar? Did they give you the calendar that told you <laughs> what was going to be on the menu for the yes. whole month? <laughs> I loved those. I, yeah. I'd be circling macho nachos. <laughs> oh, yes. I think uh, maybe Mrs. Turquoise Lejeune Parker was making bags of food that was better than the food that I was served. <laughs> None of it was particularly healthy. I did like the fried chicken sandwich. Uh, I that is so Southern. Mm-hmm. The best news that I saw this week has been a long time coming, mm. like over 100 years. <laughs> this, <laughs> this story has been in the making. I don't feel so bad about my news now. <laughs> exactly. Yours only goes back a few months. Mine goes back to 1915. Whoa. When... Ernest Shackleton and his crew of the Endurance were trying to make their way to the South Pole. They were they were going on this very kind of dangerous and I think up to that point maybe unprecedented particular kind of expedition. And I mean the story of the Endurance I think is pretty famous now. It's pretty well known. You know, they were they thought that the ship was going to be able to make its way through the ice. But in fact, they got trapped in the ice and then the ship and the ice were just floating around near the South Pole for a number of months. Mm -hmm. They were waiting for spring for the ice to thaw so they could get back in their ship and get out of there. But the warping of the ice caused the, the hull of the ship to become damaged. It just crushed it in and water filled it. And eventually the ship sinks down 9,000 feet down to the bottom of what's called the Weddell Sea. What's really amazing is the the endurance went down recently enough that they have photographs of it. 
you know, 1915, they actually, there was a, there was a camera guy, there was a photographer who was part of the expedition. Yeah. I remember seeing a photo of a guy in the Arctic eating a can of Heinz baked beans. (laughs) It was a big Pittsburgh thing. Is that like, (laughs) so I mean, honestly, I think the photographer is the, one of the more under heralded parts of this story because we have these photos because as the ship was about to be taken down to the briny depths, <laughs> he, and I think his like unlucky assistant who was probably like Daryl was like, I don't really want to be in on this. Mm. They dove into the hull of the ship <gasps> under the water and got all of the undeveloped photographs. I think they were on some kind of plate, you know, because of how photography worked at that mm-hmm. point. There was basically these photos that had not been developed that they dove into the water, into the hull of the ship and got out and then put on sleds or whatever they were dragging across the ice to get out of there. And that's why we have all these pictures. I will mention that there's a picture of everyone from the Endurance. It was 28 people total with Shackleton and his 27 men, as they say. And it's a picture of them next to the ship that's like about to go down and they look pretty chill. (laughs) they're kind of just like everyone looks okay they kind of look like they're just like you know like say cheese and speaking of pipes one guy is smoking a pipe they just all kind of look fairly relaxed considering they're essentially at the south pole without their (laughs) ship and just with whatever they could scrounge off of it and now they're just going to go on this you know epic adventure which of course famously they managed to haul themselves off of the ice they sailed to this tiny island they built a camp they lived on the island, and then Shackleton and a couple of other guys sailed off the island 800 miles with no navigational stuff. Oh, my god! And dead reckoned their way to this other place where there was actually some help. And then they went back and got the dudes that were living on the island, and no one died. Ugh. Everyone survived this thing. Unbelievable. That's, Terrifying I mean, and unbelievable. So I've all, obviously, I'm very intrigued by this story. Well, a South African research team set out in an ice-breaking ship recently to go find the wreckage of the endurance. And they have kind of rough coordinates because of the, uh, you know, the captain of the ship at the time uh, when they had to leave it behind, not Shackleton, but this like the number two guy had written down the coordinates of where he thought the ship kind of went under the ice. And they went out there with this very high tech ship with these, you know, submersible robotic camera things. And they found the endurance. And because this particular body of water, the Weddell Sea, doesn't have whatever kind of um, microorganisms usually kind of eat and destroy wood. Uh, it is perfectly preserved. Oh my They're God. They're saying it is the most perfect. People, like, this is as close as you will hear, like, uh, you know, sort of maritime researchers get to just crying over <laughs> a fun, Like, the way that the people that are in this community are talking about this is like, it's like, it, it's rapturous to them because. This thing, it's like it went down last week. There is a shot of the back of the Endurance where you can just see in gold letters, Endurance. And there's like a jellyfish going by. No. <laughs> it's so perfectly <laughs> preserved. And I mean, it's just unbelievable the, the, the condition that this thing is in and that they were able to find it because of the people that were there at the time carefully noting where they thought they were, you know, and where it was going down. I mean, really, what took them so long? When you put it that way, like a hundred years, it was just right there. It was just right there. Everybody knew where it was. If it had been a snake, it would have bit you. I am now really, really looking forward to them more thoroughly documenting it because there's Mm -hmm. a couple of videos they made. Also, they're not going to move it. Where it is on the bottom of the sea is considered a, a historic site. 
so that it cannot be disturbed. Wow. So no, nobody is allowed to like pull this, raise this sunken ship. Also, I don't even know practically how you do that from 9,000 feet, but it will just sit there. That's where it lives. But now we know where it is. Wow. And I really just want someone to go there and like film. I would watch hours of silent video of just a thing circling the wreckage. It's like of House the Hunters International, only for boat sink, sunken boats. Oh my gosh, I would absolutely watch that. You know, the thing is, I am not. What was the what's the word? Uh, hearty. I would not have survived this mission. No. I got in my car like three weeks ago. We had a cold snap here in Portland, and I have like a kind of like a seat warmer in my car, like the seat will heat up. Oh yeah. And it wasn't working and I almost just went back home. <laughs> like that's my level of, <laughs> that's what kind of sort of like plucky uh, endurance that I have in me. Like I would have just, I would have been out on day one. No, <laughs> this I whole can't. Adventure. Yeah, no, not, uh, not my thing either. <laughs> but I'm happy that we now know where it is and we can see it and it's in beautiful shape. That's the best news that I saw this week. Speaking of good news, we're going to be putting the Livewire radio show out, of course, on Friday as a podcast, and then this weekend on public radio stations all over the country. And we are going to be heading to the mountains with Sylvia Vasquez Lovato, who became the first openly gay woman to climb the Seven Summits, which are the highest mountains on each continent. She did that as a way of trying to work through and overcome childhood trauma. Uh, she's got a book, The Shadow of the Mountain. Then also stand-up comedian Curtis Cook, it's going to explain why maybe you don't want to wear a, a suit to Red Lobster, <laughs> and then also about a journey that he took uh, to Sierra Leone, which was a very interesting experience for him as a light-skinned black man traveling in this particular part of Africa. We're going to hear his story. And then Patterson Hood from the Drive-By Truckers is going to stop by and play us some new music. That is all coming up this week on Livewire. All right, we've got to thank the team who makes the Best News Podcast possible. Laura Haddon is our executive producer. Our producer and editor is Melanie Sevchenko. Our assistant editor is Trey Hester. Special thanks to our intern, Jonas Myers, who's now sending clips of the show to his parents, so they'll be impressed. Hi, Jonas's mom and dad. Hi, hi, hi. Also, Molly Pettit is our technical director and mixer. Our theme was composed by A. Walker Spring. Special thanks to all of you, our listeners. We will see you very soon. In the meantime, go on out there and have the absolute best week. Dear Livewire, when we first met, I was really shy. I had no idea we'd spend so much time together or that you'd be one to fill my heart with, with joy and make me want to be a better person. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't know you were here. I was busy reading a review from one of our many, many rapturously smitten listeners. Oh, wait. Actually, no, sorry. This is from Elena. Anyway, the point is, uh, it would be really helpful if you wanted to leave us a review. Feel free to say really nice things about us, and uh, we'll even read them now and then on the show. So you might hear your review of Livewire read on the program itself. Uh, reviews help other people hear about the show, and then we can keep doing this for a long, long time because we love having this job. Uh, thank you so much. If you've left a review, and if you're about to leave a review, you can go ahead and do it right where you get the podcast. <laughs> <laughs>